Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Cardi B's divorce is the current headliner in entertainment news. But whether you are a celebrity or Joe around the block, breakups are painful. And many couples are taking this path after quarantine and discovering it's time to move on. But moving on from a relationship you weren't ready to release takes time and a mind shift. We bond in relationships, so the separation come down can feel akin to coming down from drugs. But while this is painful, it is on the spectrum of being normal when it comes to breaking up. Your feelings of despair and hopelessness are in fact just temporarily, are temporary, they're not gonna always be there. And they are normal, part of grieving over a relationship. In fact, only by grappling with the feeling that the relationship is over, can you cleanse your deepest wounds from the past and present losses and build anew. So today, our relationship expert, Molly Elisoff, <laughs> is a licensed couple psychotherapist uh, helping high-powered, I was practicing her name before we were saying it, um, help the, who she helps high-powered professionals across the nation have the same success and love as they have in their career. Molly elevates relationships and marriages for government leaders, Fortune 500, C-suite executives, celebrities, media personalities, and many others so they can stay focused on their life mission while loving relationships at home so they can truly have it all. With a robust client portfolio and extensive years of experience, Molly has grasped how to keep a relationship healthy and alive. As the CEO of her own relationship counseling center and a group practice located in Midtown Manhattan, Molly works with the most driven and ambitious couples in New York. She does online creating courses. She's the host of the Next Level Relationship podcast that you can find on iTunes and Spotify. She's a well-known keynote speaker. Her expert advice has been featured in national publications, including Forbes, Forbes Women, Thrive Global, just to name a few. You have the best who's gonna help us today thrive from moving on after a breakup. Welcome to the show, Molly. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Jamie. We are so excited uh, to have you too. And thank you for the grace on pronouncing <laughs> your last name. You did great. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> but we want to just jump right in, uh, Molly, you know, because as we see on the news, everyone's talking about Cardi B and the entertainment news and being very judgmental. And we're hearing all this different commentary. But the truth is, as psychotherapists, we're seeing lots of breakups coming um, out of the quarantine during coronavirus time. So I believe a lot of people can benefit from their own healing so that they can thrive after the, after a breakup, because after all, it is very painful. So let's jump in. And, and can you help us understand like what happens when a person just can't seem to get that person out of their heads or their hearts when trying to break up? You know, we'll hear oftentimes, I just can't stop thinking about him or her. And um, you know, the farther they get apart, then I always call it amnesia, uh, Molly, that they forget the reason why they broke up. <laughs> so 
So um, how can you help us understand? For sure. So what always comes up for me is the breakups feel like coming out of your own skin. It literally feels like you're shedding a piece of your identity and a moment in time of who you were and what this other person meant to you. And so that can be an extremely painful and gruesome process. Changing everything from the inside out takes a lot of energy. And so it feels really reassuring to go back to what was safe at one point, comfortable at one point, easy and loving. And so it makes total logical sense that if you've just had a breakup, you're having this longing for when things weren't so uncomfortable. So share with us a little bit about the longing and some of the feelings that people will in fact experience while they are going through a breakup so that they know perhaps some of the things that they're feeling is is normal um, and they're not they're not alone. What would be some of those um, symptoms or things that would be normal that someone would experience after a breakup? Great question. Everyone, first of all, is different. So how your best friend breaks up with someone and what you look like is going to look so different. How you move on, how you cope, and what you're feeling is all going to be really unique to you. So that's really, really important to start with. Number two, in terms of feelings you can anticipate, you can feel longing and missing and sadness and anxiety about what's going to happen next or will there be a rebonding. There might be some hope or hopelessness. So you can range almost in every single feeling. It almost feels like grief and loss to me. So a lot of things that come up for you when you have an ending in your life may come up during what feels like even a temporary ending. If you're not sure that the breakup is forever, you know, can come up then as well. So then what would be a couple of things that you would share would be some of those first steps that someone should consider when they know they're getting ready to to break up or they're um, just freshly broken up? I mean, what would be your expert advice on those initial steps that someone can can do? Yes, let's break that down. Okay, so if you know you want to have a breakup with someone, the best option is to be able to talk to that person about it. So they know what's coming and you guys can unfold together and say goodbye together. One of the things I do a lot with couples who are deciding to have an ending is to end amicably. The last thing you want is to not only replay all the moments and memories that you miss about that person, but also maybe question yourself of, did you do it right? Was it kind enough? Was it sweet enough? Are they okay? Well, first of all, they're not okay. (laughs) Like No one feels good after a breakup, okay? So that's really important to remember, but it's really great if you can end with some ease or a little bit more ease. So if you know you want to talk to your partner about an ending, spending some time with yourself on what I call a self-date to break down all the bullet points of why is this ending happening for you? What do you want for your future that's not happening here? And why did this need to happen now? Can be a really good start to the conversation that you're going to have with that person. Now, if you've decided or the breakup has already happened and it just has flowed, you know, part of what you can do in first steps is almost the same list there. You can write down what didn't work about that relationship for you, even if that's hard to remember in this moment. You can write down what worked for you in the relationship. And you can also write down what your fantasy relationship is. So if it's right post-breakup, this might feel a little too raw to do. But if you want to just try and start to gather your thoughts, this can be really helpful for the months down the line when the grief has slowly dissipated and you're really ready to process 
what you want for your life. So then, uh, so then help us understand Molly. So if you were talking to uh, Cardi B, for example, <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, many times we'll see that people have that unmet need that the, that the person who they desperately want to work it out with, whether it's their ex, you know, or whether it's, they've been freshly broken up or it's been um, a couple of, of months, but they, what we'll see is they, you know, well, let's first acknowledge that the self-help book on how to get your ex back, how to win your love back. I mean, you can Google those terms and they're like so many books and so many different things on like, I call it, um, you know, monetizing on a heartbreak. (laughs) So, but you know, what I also see it, and I would like for you to speak to this is that when there's no evidence of change and they Mm. want to desperately win that person back or, or get back with them. I mean, why do you think that they want to get back on that merry-go-round or, or we have so many self-help books that are teaching people (laughs) how to win your ex back, how to get, get this back, all those types of things. And um, so what would you say, say to us from your expertise? Yeah, you know, like we were talking about earlier, that pain and discomfort that comes up with breakup can make it really, really tempting to go to what felt like joy at one point, what felt like love, all those endorphins to come back to feel a sense of relief, finally. So reaching back to your past relationships can feel really alluring. Also, if you have a like a little bit of a doubt, like a second guessing that's going on of, is this something that just happened that maybe shouldn't have happened? Like, was there one single moment that causes huge rupture in your relationship that you feel like is repairable, but the other person, maybe you feel like walked away too soon or wasn't giving you the opportunity to repair. I could see it being really pulling to try and, like you said, like a win, <laughs> win your ex back. Let's put that like heavily in quotes. You know, but I agree with you. I think the only thing we can control in our lives is ourselves and not the other person. So if you want to evolve yourself or show up more for the other person, in an effort to try and heal and resolve the relationship, you can, but you will ultimately never have control over the other person. So only one step at a time. <laughs> one and, step know, at a time. Offset. Yeah, and we saw Offset try that like months ago, right? When he like, I don't even remember the concert and he had the big flowers everywhere and he really made this like public declaration that he was trying and he wanted her back. We make these efforts, but it's not just about the small gestures. It's about having that deep repair underneath. So because Molly, you are the expert and you work with many celebrities. (laughs) So this is just um, a side question in the sense of breaking up. You know, how difficult do you see with some of the celebrities that you work with that um, because their breakup is also in a public eye, I mean, what's the different challenges that you see in that type of um, situation versus uh, a less public breakup? Yeah, I I think you started to hit the nail on the head, right? There's a lot of viewership. There are a lot of people with eyes on the situation and speculation about what's happening. The truth is none of us really know what's going on in Cardi B's life or her romance. We don't know what the last few years of their marriage has looked like from beginning to end or their courtship. We only know the snapshots that she's rapped about or that we've heard about or seen a photo around. And so everyone is not only filling in the blank, but they're watching her like a hawk to see what message is she sending out and how is she managing? But we're only seeing probably 1% of the situation, you know? And so I think it's immensely difficult for celebrities to figure out what, how to cope and what they need to do to get through the situation because they have so many people paying attention to a story and not even the whole truth. 
So essentially she or any celebrity is going through the same thing that Joe down the street or Mary across the street is going on, is having, but there's the extra amplification because it is a public relationship from what I'm hearing you say. A hundred percent. If you can imagine, you know, you're going to work and you just went through a breakup and you like didn't do your hair and makeup the same way today. You know, you looked a little tired, you bags on your eyes because you were crying and didn't sleep last night. Everyone in your office might pay attention and go, are you okay? Did you not get a great sleep last night? But now you have millions of people commenting and messaging and speaking about it. And the next day when they're at work and they're on a talk show and they're being asked about something, they're also having to answer about it. There's no ability to pull back and be private. And so it's immensely important that celebrities get support behind closed doors with the discretion of professionals who really can help them if they want to thrive and get through whatever their emotional decision is, whether that's to stay together or break up, because no one should be in this alone, especially not people who are being looked at all the time for what others want to aspire to be. And you, you mentioned a good point that no one should go through this alone. So in your expertise in helping couples and helping people get through breakup, especially celebrity couples, how can people, and I think every one of us can relate to this, how can people use discernment and know like who could they, who should they lean on and uh, for their support system and what would be a healthy support system? <laughs> oh, it's such a good question. Such a good question because I think people grapple with this one. They go to a place of like, I just need help. Like someone be there for me. And they put all the feelers out, sometimes without thinking that cautiously, who is going to have my best interest in mind? Who's going to have my back right now? And who's going to give me the best feedback that I want to hear? So I usually recommend pick at least one person who you know is not going to tell you anything definitive, who is just going to sit with you and listen to what's going on. If you have that one friend who's like, take action in this way, maybe not the perfect person to start with. Because right after the breakup, you are just trying to think and feel so many things at once. And it's really important that you have space for that. Now, when you get in indecision mode, maybe that's the friend to call, you know? Um, and outside of really close friends or family support who allow space and holding for your emotions, talking to a professional that you trust and feel safe with, whether that's a couples therapist, a relationship coach or expert, a spiritual counselor, whoever you rely on, it's really important that you know that they're going to have discretion, that they're going to listen, and that they're going to want you to have what you want out of this life. So with that being said, Molly, what would you say if you could kind of help our viewers and listeners on a deeper level, that when people are looking back to, again, try to win their ex back or reconcile or however we want to frame it, you know, as a solution to their problem, to the, you know, the, the aspirin to their headache, you know, the pain that they're feeling, trying to soothe that, you know, we'll often hear in psychology that the solutions really from an unconscious um, subset that they're really trying to seek other things. What can you share and break down for people so they understand what that means? That it's not really your extra trying to get back, so to speak. Yeah, I think this is a really good point. You know, I think when people are going through a breakup, they're often trying to fill that void that's happening in their own heart and soul and energy. And I think it's really essential post breakup to be able to figure out how to fill that void in a way that's healthy and promotes your growth and development. Now, I'm not trying to say that to say, just put the accelerator on walking away, but it's really important that you get to thrive and have the most out of this life. So taking the time and the space to reflect on 
what do you need to feel full is the huge game changer that can go from getting stuck in a breakup for a long time emotionally to having more out of this life. So then it, at the end of a breakup, right? Because a lot of times, and we'll get, get to this um, soon, but at the end of the breakup, you know, what sometimes we'll see is that that healthy, that unhealthy. Could you speak to a little bit of how when there's someone is breaking up in a relationship or they've, they've broken up, I mean, what would be some of the signs that their relationship wasn't really healthy to begin with? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So listen, no judgment, right? This is number one, no judgment from me for sure. Cause I don't know your story, but also no judgment from yourself is what's really important here. It's really essential that you are able to tap into listening to all the things you'd write down about what was healthy and unhealthy and trying to find a way in which you're not coming at it with judgment or pointing a finger at yourself. So I have four columns that I always talk about when someone's single and starting to think about who their ideal person is. And I think this is something you can do even post breakup in reflection of your relationship. Okay, so column one is the checklist. Like, are you getting what you ideally want on paper from this person? And you can kind of run through it, yes or no. Column two, is there chemistry? Like, are we having that um together? Is that existing? Yes or no. Column three is, does this person's morals and values and characteristics match what I want for my ideal partner, the person I want to be with 10 to 25 years in the future. And I know that can sound extreme for some of you, but stay with me. Okay. Now the last column I think is the most important. Are you on the same page about commitment? Are you at the same level of readiness and wanting? So in the postmortem, when you're reflecting on your relationship, being able to think about columns one through four can be really helpful in you trying to figure out where did we get stuck? Forget unhealthy and healthy for a second, just where were we stuck? And then later you can use that as information of what more do I need from the person that I'm going to be seeing in the future. So then the importance that you would share with our uh, listeners as to the reason why it's important for them to understand where have they gotten stuck at <laughs> in their healing process so that they understand? Because what I'll hear sometimes, Molly, is that people don't want to look back. So once they kind of get that clean uh, break, we're broken up. I just want to move forward. I don't want to reflect. I don't want to think about it. Um, what can you say to us is for one, why do people, why do some people react that way? And then two, really the importance of understanding why they got stuck, um, especially towards their future. Yeah, so let's go a little deeper for a second. When we think about loss, everyone copes with it really differently. So maybe you've been you know, at a funeral and someone in your family has just been quiet, then said something nice and then walked away. And that was the last time you heard them talk about their grief and their sadness. Some people cut off and need to take space from their emotions or they just avoid their emotions as a defense mechanism. It's really important that everyone, no matter how you externally process, takes time to emotionally internally process or the same thing happens. So you can relate this to a job. If you've ever worked a job before and you were like my boss, my you know manager, my agent, like what a headache, how exhausting, that was terrible. I have to have someone new. If you don't think about what do I need from this new person to not have the same experience in my workplace again, you are going to end up in that same place for your work experience. 
And it's no different in your relationship. It's essential to step back and really think about what do I want in my ideal setting, ideal relationship, and where were the deficits? So pretty much what I hear you say is, um, and which I would like for you to help us um, help explain it from your expertise, is that when someone is healing from a breakup, I always uh, use the analogy, and it, it's uh, shocks some people, but to me, it, it explains it. <laughs> it's like the dog returns to its vomit. Like I've been a dog owner for a long time, and I remember it used to shock me when I used to see my dog like would throw up <laughs> Molly and then be trying to eat that throw up. <laughs> So essentially, um, it is said that people are really trying to heal from someone in their past and that person emotionally can remind them of someone. So before you kind of help us break that down, part of, I want to make sure that our viewers and our listeners get this point. The reason why they need to review why they got stuck is so they don't get stuck again. (laughs) We we kind of just break it down. We don't want you to get stuck again. So it's important to look back to understand where did I go wrong? What's my blind spots so that I could truly find the love that I deserve and I'm not the dog that keeps returning to its vomit. (laughs) Absolutely. And this is, if you've ever had a friend who's been like, why do I end up in the same relationship over and over again? This is a simple answer. If we don't take time to understand our patterns, we're going to unconsciously do the same thing over and over and over again in every scenario of our life from what we think is like what we're worthy of in terms of like lifestyle and achievement to how we deal with money, to our workplace, to our relationships. The more deeply we understand ourselves and the blocks that exist, the easier it is to transform to the, I think about it as like the next level of our living. (laughs) I like that. The next level of our living. (laughs) So to truly elevate in life, as well as our relationships, you got to be able to take the look of the lay of the land. Just like, you know, when I spent a month in Italy, we're looking at these books of these buildings, but really you're looking at ruins, but you had to look back at these buildings to understand what was there. (laughs) So pretty much we got to do the same thing with our relationships. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is why I'm called my podcast next level relationships because I want everyone to have it all, right? We all talk about having this fantasy of wanting it all, but we can only set ourselves up for that when we map our life for that, which means cutting out the things that held us back. Now, At the same time, I've worked with plenty of people going through a breakup who feel devastated looking at what was wrong in the relationship and really just want to, like you were talking about a little earlier, glorify the connection that existed. Now, I understand the why behind it. And if you're there, I want to say like, that's okay. It's important for you to stay in the missing and the longing as much as you need, as long as it doesn't get confused for the totality of the relationship, meaning you don't want to mistake the fantasy, the picture book moment as what equated through the whole relationship. Instead, it was a snapshot, just like in a movie. You know, you don't just see the climax and that's the perfect kiss is the whole movie. You see the struggles and the tribulation. And so you have to think about your relationship in total when you reflect on was this really a good fit for me? So essentially, the longer that someone has been out of the relationship, it could be easier to fantasize about just the good parts of the relationship. And that's part of the dog that wants to return to its vomit because they're looking at that vomit as it was the gourmet meal, but they forget that it's vomit. <laughs> is that what is that what you're telling us? <laughs> yeah, yes and, yes and, okay. I think the other thing that often happens is people in our lives want more for us. Like people that love us, right? Your family, your best friends, they want you to move on so you're not sad. 
or maybe because you were unhappy in the relationship. They're not trying to cheer you on to just move on. They want you to have a better, more fulfilling life. So it can be really, really um, tempting to go, <laughs> I'm going to go to your examples. <laughs> you go back to the vomit, right? Because everyone else feels like they're on a different team. When you were in that relationship with a person, it was you and that person. You guys were a solid unit. It was you guys against the world. And so everyone else had an opinion and an influence in your life, but really at the crux, that was your best friend. And so when everyone else around you post breakup is telling you, leave that best friend behind, it can feel like a, a lack of alliance with someone who you were so linked up and connected with. So part of, I think, the temptation to go back to the vomit is also to really like feel that partnership, that bond when it feels like everyone else is going against something that was so meaningful to you for so long. So if someone is uh, listening or, or watching, in your expert opinion, how can they not get what I will call relationship amnesia, that they forget about all mm -hmm. those parts and then they go to that fantasy and think about all that stuff? I mean, what would be some practical ways to for them to keep at the forefront, not to get in the toxic parts of the relationship and get into bitterness and anger, but to stay grounded and conscious as to the totality of that relationship. So they don't want to um, act on, I always say it's okay to miss someone. Doesn't necessarily mean that they, just to not forget that they're still not good for you. It's okay to miss them, but to miss them and then to act on that, sometimes I can see people in that fantasy bubble. So what would be some expert advice that you can give someone that, that may be in a breakup and they keep thinking that I want to reach back out to them or I want to reconnect and they um, get the amnesia as to why they broke up? <laughs> okay, so it's really important to remember there are two major repercussions if you choose to reach out. Number one, you've stunted yourself from doing some of the self-discovery that we've been talking about. You're allowing the distraction of getting that temporary fix to keep you away from understanding more deeply what you need more of. Even if you get back together with that same person, something wasn't working. There was a rift in the dynamic. So you still need to invest in understanding what was missing for you. So whether there's a repair there or it's the next person, you have that information. And if you go to longing and you just reach out to the person, that major repercussion is you're getting a block to understanding more deeply what fulfillment you're really looking for. So that's number one. Number two, and this is really important and sometimes hard to hold on to, it can be detrimental to the other person. And it can cause almost more animosity between the two of you if there's not a ton of intentionality and caution around it. Now, I'm not saying never meet up with the ex, don't have the post-mortem. If you're trying to reconcile, never see them. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense at all. Everyone needs a different way that they grieve and work through either repair or the ending. So it's really important that you think consciously reaching out for that temporary fix is not just going to make you feel better, but could also make the other person feel really shitty. And so it's really, really essential that you think not just about you, but the other person. And then if you do have hopes of getting back together, how hurting them in that moment might negatively impact the trajectory of you having a future together. So then it may be helpful that if they get that impulse to want to reach out because they're thinking about that trip to Italy or that trip uh, across the street to the grocery store. I don't know, but they're thinking about the memories and they're longing for that person. It sounds like it actually also may be helpful to 
not respond or give themselves some time to work out of that impulse so that they get out of the feelings and then they can think logically to your point in the sense of um, not only hurting that other person, but not hindering their own healing. Yes. And I would say in terms of practical things you can do, I would recommend having a journal for all the feelings. Write down all the positive that comes up for you. If you're not a writer, voice memo it, get it out of your system. Don't hold on to it. Really make sure that there's space for it. And try not to take any other action outside of just feeling all the feelings. And in addition to that, it's really important for you to start to make observation and analysis of what might not be working. So that would just be one concrete thing uh, that you can do as a starter. I know we have plenty more time to talk about all the other ideas too. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So as we um, get ready to, to take our uh, commercial break, could you uh, share with us as to if people were really honest with themselves, I mean, what are some of the common fears and insecurities that come up in them uh, when, when they're in a breakup or they've just been broken up with? Yeah, I think some of the biggest thoughts are, I'm going to be alone forever. I'm never going to have a person who gets me the same way. I'm never going to be loved or understood in the same way that I was previously. That's just not true. If you can't think of all the people in your life at different moments of your time that have loved you, you are needing to take a pause and reflect and step back on all the love and how it comes in and out of our life at all different precious moments. It's there. We just got to find it. <laughs> so essentially some of their woundedness and some of the things that um, they may not have been healed from in the past or may be in the underneath what I call the veil of consciousness can come up as far as not being good enough or maybe I was too much. So, you know, when we come back, we want to dive a little bit more into those wounds and the opportunities that people can have for healing. So today we are with our relationship expert and our celebrity couples therapist, Molly. So we'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, before we took our commercial break, Molly was helping us understand what are some of the wounds or opportunities for healing that I like to say that can also come up during this time of a breakup. So welcome back to the show, Molly. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm so excited for our part two. You know, so I think um, part of kind of continuing our conversation before the break is on helping people understand, right? We really want them to thrive after a breakup and to your point, not get stuck in a breakup. So part of that is I always say there's opportunity for growth, especially there are people that can consciously break up and realize that we are not good for each other and there's still respect for each other. But then we also have the other side of it where there is anger, there is bitterness, that people are going through that grief cycle. And, and that's usually where we'll see some of the opportunities for healing of things that were there probably even before the relationship, you know, for um, could be abandonment, trauma, those types of things. So can you speak to us a little bit about the opportunities for um, healing in a totality sense and not just from the breakup that, that can help them not only deal with it because of the triggering of the breakup, but to can truly help them thrive in their future. Yeah. So we're going to get nice and deep on this one, <laughs> which I always love to do. So when you start to realize what comes up for you, what sadness, anger, intensity comes up for you in a breakup, you can start to think about when did those patterns exist for you in other moments of your life? really trying to dive deep into understanding why does this hurt so much? Of course, this hurts a lot because you love that person and this is painful. But why does this specific piece of the breakup really start to hurt? So I like to think about it as like, it feels like a wave is just kind of coming over you in those first few weeks. And as the wave kind of lightens and the pain dissipates a little, I'm not saying a lot, and this might be over a month span, you get to start to think about the same themes that come up for you, right? You start hearing the same ideas. Well, why did we always fight about that? Well, why did I never get this from that person? Was I not enough to that person, right? These ideas, these thoughts, these cognitions that come up for us can start to feel like they're on repeat. The more deeply we understand that, the more we're able to start to think, well, what did that theme and cognition come up for me historically? And what about that is so painful. So really diving deep into that not only gives you a better sense of knowing yourself, but also a better sense of knowing where the walls, those barriers of repetition that could come up in next relationships could happen and how to avoid those barriers by having a whole new roadmap by the time you've kind of identified these things and then process them. So basically part of what I'm hearing you say is it's going to take some not only self-awareness, but some deep self-reflection, which can cause some, some pain. Yeah, absolutely. I think pain is an inevitable piece of this. And if you think you're going to escape it, sorry, 
<laughs> I got news for you. It's coming. You know, even if you dive into another relationship that gives you the endorphins and gives you the excitement and gives you the zest, even if there's the lust and the excitement of what could happen for your future, inevitably that pain reappears. And so it's really helpful, even if you're someone who likes to dive right into the next relationship, that you make space for understanding, well, what didn't sit right in that last relationship? How did it make me feel? And even if you're in a new relationship already, communicating with that new partner, hey, I'm still processing something. And it might feel really odd, but one night I might cry and I might miss what I had with someone else, or I might miss how I felt as myself when I was with someone else. So I'm still trying to understand me. And that's that whole concept that we say, kind of take space for yourself before you go into the next relationship. But if that's too hard for you, anticipate that that sadness is, is coming. And especially what I sometimes will see if, if a, um, in particular, a woman, or it could be a woman or a man that they were in a um, emotionally abusive relationship or somebody ran game on them, you know, the words on the street (laughs) and they have to recover, not only just from a breakup, but to realize that this person wasn't who I thought they were, or they weren't as serious as um, I thought they were. And then they uh, dealing with a whole nother level of who was this person? And really, and sometimes to your, um, to what you work with high level professionals, celebrities, and they can think, well, I'm smart. I'm, um, you know, good at my career. How did I let this happen? I mean, speak to us a little bit about, yes, it's okay to process those types of things, but, um, not staying what I would call stuck in the victim mentality. Like how can somebody recover, um, if they were played, so to speak? (laughs) I love this question. There were so many answers that I have. First of all, you're human, okay? So we're all human. We're all gonna make like quote unquote mistakes, but I like to think about it as learning lessons where you keep saying, Janie, like opportunities, right? We get opportunities to understand ourselves better and the world around us. And sometimes that can only happen by like literally, you know, like when we're kids riding a bike for the first time, like bumping your knee. It's terrible, you cry, and then you gotta get back on the bike. You know what I mean? And so it's really essential to remember that you're just like everyone else trying to figure out yourself and the world and people around you. So that's at the crux, whether you're a celebrity or not a celebrity to hold on to. So it can happen to even the best of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having patience for that is really important. And I think one of the classic classic things that happen here is sometimes when we feel played or disserviced, we go back to try and understand. And we use that relationship dynamic to try and get the answers. We try and retrieve them from the person who has hurt us or maybe even harmed us. And while that might be really tempting, my guess is the person who maybe decided to do something vindictive or not healthy in the relationship dynamic or uh, concerning and considerate of you is either not going to be concerned and considerate of you in the breakup period or may not have the awareness and answers, right? Sometimes people enact things from their own childhood that they don't even understand they're just doing. So if you look for insight from them, they may not have it. So it's really important that all this work really happens, understanding yourself first, and then you can try and explore and understand who this other person was and where their deficits are maybe coming from. So essentially going back to a point that we made earlier, that if they don't have evidence of change, that we're doing ourselves a disservice to try to go back and try to um, use the word uh, uh, closure, try to get some type of closure or understanding, because if they played you before, so to speak, and there's no evidence of change, they more than likely can continue playing the game. 
is what I'm basically hearing you say. (laughs) A hundred percent. I say this all the time in a relationship. All we have the power to do is change ourselves, grow and evolve ourselves with the hope that the other person will evolve with us, but no guarantee. So it's really important that you kind of, even if you want to ask all the questions of why'd you do this to me? And why would you hurt me this way? You said you love me. That can feel really, really tempting. And maybe you end up eventually doing it. I think it's really important that you start with yourself first. Why would this person do that to me? Why would this person behave that way? And is that the behavior I want from this person? Am I worthy of that behavior only? And the deeper we can go into, no, I'm not worthy. I deserve someone who is loving and considerate. And maybe I understand my partner as someone who's been through a lot of pain and trauma and enacted that on me and brought that to me, even though I wasn't deserving of it. Even if you want to have that empathy, it's really important to go back to, do I want that feeling in my relationship? And even if you reconnect with this person, it's really important to know that, no, I don't want that. I want to be treated like a queen or total care, however you think about it, or a total king, whoever you are out there, you know, and that you expect only that from either a new partner or the person who has hurt you in the past. So then Molly, how can someone begin to to meet their own internal needs? We always hear self-love, love yourself first, um, but how can they do that in, in other healthy ways without having to rely on that person or to your point, go back and try to get that closure? In other words, like, how can they take their power back? <laughs> I love this question. And I'm going to give a personal anecdote. And I don't do that often. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I had a relationship breakup that was so hard for me. It really literally felt like my skin was crawling off. It was immensely challenging. And one of the things that people kept saying to me over and over again in the breakup period was just go do something fun for yourself. Just love yourself. And I felt so minimized. I really felt like people didn't get it. This person was my person. I don't have my person, my best friend, the person who got me and understood me inside and out. How could they be so trite, right? And so what I realized in retrospect later was what they were trying to communicate is that we only have so much time on this planet. And I have a choice as a person to have fullness of my life or have lack. And when I get stuck in not getting what I deserve from this life, I'm going to get stuck in feeling all the lack. At the same time, we want to make space for feeling all of our emotions. So it's a really important balance that only we are able to hold on to and manage how we cope with the loss and the missing and the moving forward all at once. So then someone that is listening and, um, or watching, you know, either from your own personal experience or from your professional experience. So then how can you break down for us? What does it mean to love yourself, right? So they're in that healing process and they're getting that advice, love yourself, you know, so that you can manifest the man or the partner that, that you want. I mean, what does that mean for people that hear that, but they really don't know what that means to love themselves? Yeah. So, so where I was going initially, and then I thank you for bringing me back, you know, is that we want to find a sense of fulfillment and what that means to you is going to look really different than to someone else. And you can look at all the like self-love and you can Google that and you can see, you know, massages and healthy eating and all of that is really important. But at the end of the day, what does full life look like for you? Is it you having energy? Is it you feeling successful? Is it you having close connections with people who get you? Is it you traveling? What does that ideal look like? And so to be nurturing to ourselves starts with what do we ultimately want to feel like all the time? What is that fantasy 
again, I always go to 10 years in the future on a Saturday. What's you really fulfilled? Is it you playing tennis on the beach? Is it you climbing up a mountain? Is it you reading a book in a nook? You know, what does it look like to you? And the more you get a sense of that, the more you're going to be able to figure out, well, what's a small piece of that that I can do as self-love right now? So if my fantasy is to be kind of reading in my library at home, maybe I need to take my book out. And even if I only want to sit in bed and have my cup of tea, maybe I want to take some quality time to get a little bit of that feeling of what makes me feel taken care of and nurtured. So essentially, one of the things that I'm hearing you say that um, what that means is the way that they would want their fantasy person to date them, they essentially date themselves. <laughs> so if they want to go to Bali and be on the beach, go to Bali and be on the beach, right? <laughs> at, least, at least that's what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> I definitely think that's a big piece of it. And it doesn't just have to be like going out and spending it all, right? Sure. It's really like, what do you want to feel like? And if you want to be in Bali with your future partner, like why not take yourself to Bali? And not just to feel all of that amazingness, but to take the space to feel what it feels like in your own skin. Because the more you can bring a self-love version of yourself to the next partnership, the more fulfillment you're going to set yourself up for in the future in that relationship. Because if you're full and the other person's full, you end up just being each other's like brownie points. And that to me is the ultimate goal of relationship. It's like, it's the sugar on top. It's not your being. So I want to make sure that we don't miss this key point. So think about how you want to feel and really get some words and some language around that. And another part that I also will see as self-love is having boundaries so that in the future, when you know how you feel and how you want to maintain that feeling of peace, respect, um, being seen, being heard, all those types of things, and you're giving it to yourself and you know how that feels, then when you get that partner, you know, you now have a baseline or a foundation. So if you need to employ those (laughs) self-love boundaries, you'll be more likely to confidently do that in all seriousness, because you know how you want to feel and how you want to be treated because you do have that baseline. Is that correct? Absolutely. Because there's nothing harder. And I think everyone can relate to this (laughs) at one moment in time in any relationship they've been in. There's nothing harder than saying to your partner, hey, I want to go take a bath by myself. I want three hours by myself. I don't want you around, essentially. And initially, we can feel like we're rejecting the other person or they may feel hurt. But if we understand that that's correlated to our baseline, that us feeling like we are in our Epsom salt bath with our favorite book and the quiet music and the candles is where we're at our calm, then they'll slowly start to learn that we're not taking space from them. Instead, we're filling ourselves so we can show up more as ourselves when we bond and connect with them. Because like, what partner doesn't want that to have like a full playmate, not just like a partial playmate? There you go. You can go on that playground and have adult play. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so then um, our expert, can you help share your professional advice on, because we hear this word all, we hear these words all the time, not only in television and media, um, but from individuals on the healing path. But how can they identify and know their triggers? And what does even triggers mean? Because we know that words can be destructive. And once they're said, they can't be taken back. Yes. So if you don't know what a trigger is, I love talking about triggers because they're everywhere and in all areas of our life. Triggers basically are something that provoke a large emotional reaction for us. So I could say the word applesauce, and it can mean nothing to me. 
And you might think applesauce and be like, oh, on our first date, we had applesauce and it was really special. We actually made it and put the cinnamon on top first. And then we took tasting time and it was so special. And we had this bonding moment. So I can say that word and it can provoke a huge emotional reaction from you where for me, it wouldn't be like we'd say triggering. So it's really helpful in whether you have anxiety or, you know, any kind of intense mood reaction to know your triggers, but it also is hugely helpful when you're dealing with a breakup because someone is going to say something that helps remind you of that amazing vacation that you took together or that time that your partner almost proposed and then didn't. And so all of these like really painful things can come up from something extremely innocuous, like listening to a podcast, or maybe we've even said one of those words tonight. And once you get a hold on these words, you can start to take stock of what is going to bring about huge emotional feelings for you. And then it'll be a question of how do you cope and manage those feelings? So then help us uh, cope and manage with those feelings. So when someone feels <laughs> triggered or anxious, what are some things that he or she can do instead of reaching out to that ex and cursing them out or, or maybe trying to win them back, whatever that may be, what can they do instead that will be healthy and part of their recovery uh, journey? Okay, so what you need to do, and I'm not into like matter of fact, what you need to sure. do is get a piece of paper and then write this list down. It's really important that you have like one through four or one through 10 things that you can do to cope, to manage when you're having those triggers happen. And at the very, very bottom, like four or 11, like the last, last possible option can be reach out to your ex that we really, really want to put it on the list. But you need to come up with a bunch of different ways that you can cope and manage way before then. So I like to think about, and this might sound a little bit um, like small, but I like to think about thinking about what can help you cope as thinking about what would put you at ease or keep you calm. And that's not quite what it is, but that's where I like people to start. So if you're someone who loves a hot shower, put down a hot shower as part of the list. If you're someone who loves to run, even if you're not in the mood and have no energy, Put that down on the list. Okay, so once you have all of those things down and you can think about anything that's physiological, like your favorite shawl and wrapping yourself up in it, having a hot cup of tea or like a cold beverage, it can include coloring or listening to music. So there's so many things you can add to that part of the list. Okay, the next section is thinking about the who in your life. So who in your life can be a support for you to just hold all the feelings. You can list out your best friend or your parent or, you know, someone who's going through a breakup too. You can write that down. But remember what we said earlier, you really want to think about that super intentionally, someone you trust and someone who will hold without judgment. The next thing I recommend you write down are communities that make you feel like you. So when I'm in this space, and it might be virtually right now, but when I'm with my, you know, sports team, when I'm with, you know, my dance class, when I'm at the gym, I feel like I'm with the people that make me feel like me. And I feel more like myself and at ease. So you can have all those things mapped out with your ex very, very at the bottom, if you must. And those are great ways to start coping with the triggers that may come up. And I think those are, are great suggestions because then what you're essentially advising us is to pull us back to things that are going to be healthy for us um, now and in the future and in kind of pulling their mind away from the fantasy and potentially getting um, caught up in the lies and the fairy tales of where they once were. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, 100%. And it, it allow us to figure out what we need for any moment like this in the future, including a fight with the person that you end up with in the next relationship, because those moments happen too. So then speaking about the next relationship, I always hear this controversial uh, question. So because we have you, our relationship expert, our celebrities, couples, psychotherapist, what is your professional, maybe personal opinion, but what's your professional <laughs> opinion about can exes truly be friends? And what would you consider or what would mm. you share with us as healthy versus unhealthy with staying connected with your with your ex that's now going to be a friend? <laughs> so I actually believe that this is feasible, but I would say like not any time before you actually want to. <laughs> so if you've just gone through a breakup, it might be like, oh, we can still be friends like two months, a week later, scratch that. Like give yourself space and time to really feel everything because you not only need to say goodbye to this other person and then find your next person, but really think about, well, how does this person even fit in my life as a friend? How would I want them to show up as a friend in my life? Would I want them to come on a double date with my partner? Well, maybe we had a child together. And so we actually have a lot of bonding and history through co-parenting and it works really well for us to be friends. We've developed that relationship over time. Or it might be a little bit more friction and you might realize that your ex is probably always gonna hit on you in the future. And so is that really a friendship that's gonna work for your next relationship? So give yourself a lot of time and space, but I, I have seen a lot of couples stay friends um, but it usually is at a minimum a year before that connection feels like there's enough distance for reconnecting and bonding. So take some distance and, and also heal. So, you know, we'll hear Molly, this advice about taking time to heal, as I just mentioned about before jumping into a, a dating scene again, um, in, in particular, but what does that really mean? And, and why is that important? And, and in your professional opinion, like how long should a person wait before starting to date again? What would you share with us? There are no rules to any of this, which is what's fun, I think. And I know that can be really scary if you're looking for like a concrete answer, but really it's what works for you. So if you do any understanding of your own attachment pattern, I know we don't have a ton of time to break down what that is, but I would definitely recommend you doing a little navigating. If you're someone who has a really anxious attachment pattern, meaning like it's really hard for you to be alone. You really feel like you need someone to be there to feel okay. You might be someone who's really tempted to jump right into another relationship. And that might be what feels like necessary to you to be able to thrive and keep moving forward. For someone who's more avoided, that might not be as necessary and you might be okay alone. So I don't think there's a rule of thumb of how long, but you're going to need emotional space for yourself. So even if you jump into that next relationship right away, in that relationship, be communicative. You might need the time to be reflective and think about what you want. Because like we said earlier, you otherwise could end up repeating patterns that you don't want for your future. And I appreciate that, Molly. So in our last minute, we what can you share with us quickly about some signs that a person's on a right path to healing versus a wrong path of destruction? Absolutely. So if you're in a dynamic that is not making you feel fulfilled and happy, you're probably not in a space that's going to keep you happy for the long term. So really reflecting on what does this person not just bring me right now or an occasional fight that occurs, but how does this person make me feel overall over time? That can be a huge indicator of what you need for yourself and what you might need to let go of from the partnership. So you may need to let go of some things. 
You know, Molly, we uh, certainly appreciate you uh, sharing your expertise on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. And our prayer is that someone is going to listen or be watching and they're going to be thriving after a breakup and not making the same mistake. Because, you know, Molly, messy breakups can be a gift if we're willing to journey into the dark and stay with the process. Opportunities of this nature give you the insight into your own relationship patterns and unconscious programs more than any other. So while it may feel tempting to focus all of your energy on getting back with your ex or winning their love, know that at the heart of this desperation is something much deeper. And our expert help us explore that today because you are number one, regardless of whether you can accomplish winning their love or not, the wound and pattern still exists within you. Chasing unavailable people is self-abandonment. The buck stops today. So if you find yourself engaging in this type of behavior, it's time to slow down, self-reflect, refocus on the most important gift you can give anyone, and that is you. Until next time, this is your host, Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.